You're listening to The Setup Podcast, a podcast that helps you navigate new topics in music, tech, and entrepreneurship with the most disruptive professionals in the music industry turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actionable advice you can use. I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And we're your hosts for The Setup Podcast. If you're like us, passionate about paving your own path, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app because we'll help set you up for success at The Setup Podcast. I want to say a quick shout out to our amazing listeners. Truly, I created this podcast to help those who are new to the industry, just like I was once. And I'm very happy to learn that I can also provide insight to those who have been in music for a while. I want to give another shout out to all of our new listeners of The Setup Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Sid, happy Wednesday for real this time. (laughs) (laughs) And it's our last episode. Wow, 40 freaking episodes together. Can you can you imagine? I never could. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's crazy that's the last episode this season. And I couldn't be happier with the guests that we're shutting this season down with. Yeah, me too. So who do we got here, Sydney? Well, we have Mike Warner. He is one of the leading experts on the world of streaming. Mike's multifaceted roles as both a freelance label consultant and also the director of artist relations at Chartmetric have allowed him to develop and execute strategic digital campaigns for both major and independent clients. He is also a published author. Based on the success of his first edition of Work Hard, Playlist Hard, Mike has expanded the world of streaming into a full online educational portal and podcast series. Today, we uncover the world of streaming and where the opportunities lie. I'm excited. I know streaming is such a hot topic anyways. I mean, that's how we all consume music these days. That's how we discover music. So it just makes sense that we're ending this marketing strategy and release rollouts with streaming. Good morning. Hi. <laughs> Hi. One I, I... <laughs> so how's, how's your morning going? It's pretty good so far. You know, it's, it's a bit cold here in San Diego, but no one seems to care when I'm talking to people in the UK or or in Australia right now about the weather in California. So mm-hmm. I, I keep it to myself. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm excited. Perfect. I'm ready to. I'm ready to talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got a full hour uh, of like things to ask you. So right. Um, yeah, better have your coffee or your tea. And, <laughs> oh, I, uh, I'm all set. How did you get started in music? Tell us your story. If we go back to the very beginning, um, as far as obviously being a music lover from a young age, fast forward to when um, my first experience was, it was actually when I turned 18 and I went into a nightclub and I looked up at the DJ and I realized that when the music changed, everyone would react in the room and people would be smiling, they'd be dancing, they'd be clapping, they'd be singing. And I went, that's pretty cool. I like that, you know, cause I've never played an instrument to save my life. I mean, I tried to play the, re- the recorder in primary school and I, you know, you can only do so much on one of those. Uh, so I started talking to the DJs and I said, I think it's really cool what you do. I love to learn. And fast forward to a, course I took called DJMC Bootcamp, which sounds a lot more intimidating than it is. It was actually in a five-star hotel over the weekend with nice catered lunches. Um, But that gave me the confidence I needed to speak on a microphone to a crowd and to also perform to a crowd. And from there, I started playing local venues in my hometown in Adelaide, South Australia. And it got to the point where I wanted to play outside of that. I wanted to play in other cities and eventually other countries. So I got into production. I did a course in electronic music production at SAE, the School of Audio Engineering. And I started to collaborate with a friend called Anders Magnusson. We had a duo at the time, which was more heavy electronic music. Then a few years later, I moved to Brisbane and I realized I want to play some smoother, more laid back, kind of vocal, jazzy, soulful house music. 
And I started performing at these venues and I met another person called Sharif Demanstra. And he is this crazy, amazing saxophonist. And every time I'd play, it just sounded so good. And I said, have you ever produced before? And he said, yeah, but, you know, I kind of need someone else to bounce off of. So we formed a project called Date Night. And that was our new project, which we still have right now, a group or band, if you will. And when we did that, we couldn't find any record labels that wanted to sign us because mostly because of the fact that every track we put out was a different genre. We had our own sound that we applied, but we weren't sticking exclusively to one genre. So we ended up taking the risk and going independent and signing up with a distributor online and putting our music out. And then at the same time, I was moving to America. So I was waiting to get my right to work and my green card. And I had a lot of spare time. So I started researching, hey, what's going on with music streaming? Uh, what are all these platforms? I listen to Spotify. How can I get out music on there? And it really kind of went from there. So I know that the question was just where did I make my start in music? But I guess that's sort of the first half of the journey there. <laughs> Hey, and I have follow-up for that, but um, one thing that quickly comes to mind, uh, Samantha used to play saxophone, so that was like <laughs> looking at you, I'm like, should, should I say it? Should I say it? I'm I'm not so creatively in, or like musically inclined. I've tried <laughs> violin twice in my life, and it's just so incredibly difficult to pick something up, especially like that as an adult. <laughs> I guess I'll keep trying at it. But how did how did you go from because this happens all the time? Like I feel like I have a lot of musician friends who then um are either trying to pivot or in or like have pivoted into the business side of things. So how did that happen? Yeah. So I was kind of, I don't want to say forced, but I kind of put myself in the position where I had to put on a business hat. And by doing that, the amount of production I was contributing to date night was less and less, but because we'd already worked together so long, we were able to still contribute enough equally between the three of us. So I really went full, full steam ahead in that direction with my business hat on. And I guess what happened was we started to do really well. We started to get streams, playlist ads, all the things that artists want, you know, and all of those buzzwords, playlists, of course. And a number of people kept asking me, how did you do that? How did you get this? You know, your music's great, but there has to be more to it than just having great music. And it's like, well, yeah. So I started writing these really detailed emails and sending them out to just one person or leaving them a long voice message with exactly what they need to do. And it got to the point where a friend of mine said, hey, why don't you just write a book? You know, instead of helping one person at a time, why don't you put all this into a book? And it was something that I'd never even really considered before. And when I started it, it just kind of started to flow naturally because I already had all of this in my head that I'd been applying to our own music and I I knew how to explain it to other people in a way that they would understand the importance of it and how to actually do it and do it properly. And, yeah, it just kind of went from there and I've continued to go in that direction since. I mean, I still do dabble in music production. I still do the occasional DJ set and still perform when I go home to Australia and perform with the guys. But for the most part, I get just as excited, if not more excited about presenting a keynote to a few hundred artists, knowing that I can help and potentially make a difference with them. Yeah, I totally get that because you've been there and, and I think that's the key and the difference um, from a lot of other music professionals. Yes, a lot of people like play music on the side, even if they're, you know, at a label now or freelancing or what have you. I think the difference is like you've been through it and you're able to identify, I think, what made your insight so valuable and continues to do that. Was there one key moment that you applied to your music at the time that people were really noticing, which is why they were like asking you how you did it? No, I was saying the word strategy, like strategy or yeah. tactic or technique that like made it. That's um, it. Yes. Yeah. Technique <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. 
it's really it's really bizarre because at, in the beginning it was as simple as asking, and people would go, yeah, right. You know, I I ask people all the time, and I go, well, okay, maybe it's the way that you ask them, but. So with Date Night, our first ever editorial placement was a result of sending a direct message to the Spotify Australia Twitter account. Of course, this was back in the day before we had the editorial pitch forms and all of that. And it was just a nice, short, sweet message. we're We're an Australian band. We want to share our upcoming album for consideration. Is there a way we can do it? Surely enough, we got a message back and we sent the link and we ended up getting featured on the homepage under the new releases section and we ended up getting on New Music Friday and we ended up getting another one or two editorial playlists after that as well. And, you know, I say to artists, I mean, this is always going to be the case wherever you are at in your career, always ask. Don't be afraid to ask. I mean... I'll ask people that I don't ever expect to get a response from. And I'm surprised that the ones that I think are the hardest to reach are actually the quickest to respond now. And, you know, that if you give someone um, something where they know that they can help just as quickly and easily as they can say no, uh, they're likely to just help you if they want to. So that, that was my experience. And that's kind of what really drove me to go, okay, I could probably tell artists to do this and show them that the message doesn't have to be, you know, two two pages long. They don't have to attach a PDF and all of this information in, yeah. that, in that initial outreach. And that's that's really where it, where it went from there for me was, okay, I need to document this process and I need to show artists that it's not that complex and it's not that scary. Yeah, you don't have to make it as complicated as you think it is. I think, and yeah. I think that's where it goes into the messaging too, um, is just making it easier easier for that person that you're reaching out to to say yes. And I mean, I'm sure we've all seen it at this point. Like whenever someone sends me a very long email with an attachment, I'm like, oh my God, I'll keep this on unread. And then I just end up leaving it there. And so with you, like how you said it, especially in the beginning, keeping it short and sweet and seeing how they react is like the best way to go about it. Exactly. Yeah. I've, I've seen, I've seen a lot over the years as far as emails go. And, you know, I mean, I'm never going to call someone out and embarrass them. That's not the purpose of it. It's to give feedback that can get back to them to just say, hey, look, you know, it's great that you're reaching out and you're sending these emails, but here's a few things that could actually help you to get a better response and probably save you a lot of typing and a lot of attaching and things like that. Um, Yeah, I was in a conversation with some music music supervisors the other week and they were even saying they get emails where people attach a 100 megabyte WAV file and someone even attached a full-length music video as a MP4 file, which you can imagine how long that took to download. Yeah. And it's likely now that people actually have filters on their email that says, if this email contains an attachment more than four megabytes, send it to the trash immediately because mm-hmm. I don't want that in my inbox. I don't want that chewing up all my data, especially if they're traveling. So yeah, short and sweet is so important. And I'm glad you said that because I'll, I'll be honest, I'm guilty of it. I get those really long emails and it could be important, but I'll look at that and go in my head. I immediately think this email took five minutes to read and process. It's going to take me longer than that to respond. Whereas the next email is one paragraph. This is what I need. This is why I'm emailing you. I'll just write back with you know, exactly what they need and then archive that. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this so many times before in some of our previous episodes is because in any given moment, you have to pitch yourself and provide that connection, that context. Um, Because on the flip side, if you keep it too short and sweet, people are like, what do you want? I, I can't give you feedback if that's what you want on your music, which is what I always assume right away. I'm like, they don't know who I am. I can't give feedback. I'm not musically inclined. I don't know like what's doing well. But then on the other side, I'm like, do they want a stream? Like, I don't get why you're sending me a link. Yeah, definitely. There has to be some context behind it. And you know, I tell you, the personal emails and the personal direct messages of course, you can't send as many in a day, but you're going to get a much better 
more positive response and a much better response rate. I mean, if somebody sends me an email and says, hey, I saw you speak here and you mentioned this and I was wondering if I could just pick your brain about this for a few minutes because I wasn't completely clear on it. Absolutely, yeah, I'd be happy to. But if it's just, hey, I just wanted to connect with you uh, because I'm expanding my network, I go, well, okay, um, you know, do, do you want to talk to me at all? You want to, you want to maybe be friends or anything, or you just, yeah. you just want me for your network? So, um, yeah, look, there's a lot that can be learned, and um, yeah, the amount of times that I have to remind an artist when they're doing outreach and say, just remember, there's a there's a human being on the other end, and you don't know what's going on in their world. Um, so. Yes, you're, you're not expect you're not expected to know what's going on in their world, but just be considerate. Just know that maybe now's not a right time for them. Maybe they're doing something else. Maybe there's a million other things going on, and just remember, it's a human being. It takes time. The same way that your email inbox is probably not clean, and you jump on it the second an email comes in. That is the perfect way of going about it. Let's let's talk about streaming platforms. I even saw your recent YouTube video and workshop with the tools from A to Z for streaming platforms. Not going to go through all of those because, I mean, it took you like over an hour to even talk through all of it. I mean, as you even go through all them, there's just so many platforms. It's crazy. There's so there's so many ways people can get their music out there. In your experience, out of all those platforms, are there any that support artists more over the others? You know what? That's not really putting me on the spot because <laughs> I'm going to answer this in, in a very safe way because <laughs> I like to think I'm friends with everyone. Um, but different platforms have different things that benefit artists. And, you know, let's look at Pandora, for example. So Pandora is one of the only platforms I've seen where they actually have a chat button in the bottom right corner when you're logged into their artist marketing platform. And while it may not always be a live chat, thank goodness for the sake of the team, you can leave a message there. So while you're logged in, while you're looking at things, you can just type that. You don't have to go away, write an email. The next time you log in, it's there or they'll send it to your email if you're offline. Um, Not only that, but it's one of the few streaming platforms where I've actually been able to strike up a conversation with the person and you see their name, you see what they do within Pandora. And it's just really cool. And they host webinars twice per month as well that anyone from anywhere in the world can attend. They answer all the questions that are in the chat and they don't hold back. Um, for an artist, that is so extremely valuable because yeah. there's artists that are at different, le- different comfort levels with this. There's artists that you know, want to do something, but they maybe just need a quick explanation and you can connect with them directly. And I, it's, it sounds wild, but I've even heard of them getting on zoom calls with artists and going, let's open up your dashboard. Let's, let's walk you through it. Let's show you this. Let's make sure that you know how to feature a track and things like that. So that would be one example. Um, and then, of course, all of the others, your Spotify, Apple, Amazon, they're all bringing out a bunch of tools for artists right now, which are helpful in their own way. And, of course, they do have support teams as well. But I just wanted to shout out Pandora and mention them because I feel like for an artist that maybe isn't as comfortable with all of this yet and has more questions, it's a lot easier to speak with a human and have an ongoing conversation with them at the moment. See, I think that's so important too, because then they don't have to like search online for the customer support or search for a different area. It's right there. And at the top of their head too, their questions are at the top of their head instead of jotting it down when everything else is overwhelming and Mm -hmm. going somewhere else. That's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It's, um, and if you ever go into the webinar, it's it's crazy yeah. because it feels like a family. You go in there and uh, everyone is all greeting each other. Everyone's saying hi in the chat. It's just this really nice supportive community feel. And seeing artists from other parts of the world, even though Pandora is only available in the US, there's still mm-hmm. 60 million monthly listeners on Pandora in the US. So these artists in other countries are realizing, hey, 
even though I can't listen to Pandora, I still want to reach those people and make sure that my music is on there and it's available. So it's really nice to see. So, okay. Also at the same time, this might be a little like obvious too, but um, I mean, you'd recommend that artists get their music on every single platform, right? Like as much as possible. (laughs) Absolutely. It's, it's like, if you had a t-shirt, that you were selling, wouldn't you want it to be available in every store possible around the world so people could go in and buy it off the rack or order it online? It's just like that with music. You know, people are just in the same way that people are going to shop where they shop, people are going to stream where they subscribe. So if you don't distribute your music to Angami, which is very big in the Middle East, there's people in Dubai that maybe aren't listening on Spotify or Apple Music and they're missing out on hearing your music which means that you're never going to find them as a fan and it's going to, there's a lot of missed opportunities there. And however you distribute your music, I've never seen any distributor that charges an additional cost. You know, it's basically you can cherry pick individual platforms or you can select all and distribute to all stores. And I definitely recommend that. I mean, there's a lot of artists that have, in their head, they believe that if they just choose one store, you know, just Spotify and distribute there, that they're going to get some special treatment. But the reality is even some of the biggest stars in the world aren't doing that because they don't want their fans to miss out. And they know that it's almost impossible to expect your fans to subscribe to another service to listen to your music. I mean, if we want to take a look back a few, it's a few years ago now, but when Tidal launched and Kanye West said, if you want to hear my new album, you better subscribe to Tidal. That's the only way you're going to hear it. Everyone went and torrented it (laughs) and it didn't work. And then it ended up on all platforms after. So, and, you know, it's safe to say Kanye West, however, you know, love Kanye or however you feel about Kanye. There's a very, very strong following there. And even they said, no, I'm going to listen where I want to listen, where I'm the paid subscriber. So make your music available everywhere. That's a really good point especially if you're independent artists, you should have a distributor to get your music to all these um, different uh, DSPs or stores, if you will. You can upload your music to DistroKid, add lyrics and collaborators, and your music will be heard on all major streaming platforms. It is an easy way to make money and get discovered. Best part about it, you keep 100% of your royalties. If you'd like to save on your annual membership, follow the link in our episode show notes. Um, But then on the flip side, in order to get access to all the other features or to create profiles, you have to go on each individual one and claim the artist. And, you know, I I know that a lot of people say, well, that sounds like a lot of work. And I mean, it is and it isn't. There's certainly no expectation that once you've signed up to these platforms, you're logging in every day or every week or in some cases, even every month. It's basically, it's like social media, a new platform launches and you go, okay, I don't know how this is going to go. You look at TikTok a few years ago. Uh, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to claim my username and I'll check back. Mm -hmm. But at least I've got a presence on there. It's the same with streaming. You would sign up, upload a photo, add your bio, check out a few of the features that may be helpful for you. And then you may log out and you may not check back in for a while. But the importance behind this is that you have a home on all of these platforms. So, you know, I mentioned, I'll choose a different platform to mention this time in fairness. So GeoSavan, which is really big in India, one of the largest streaming platforms in India, having a presence on there and having some artist playlists featured at the top of your profile, somebody discovers you, goes to your profile, there's links to your social media, there's a bio, there's a playlist you've curated, there's photos. They go, okay, this artist is on this platform. They have a home on here. I'm going to follow them and see what they're doing. As opposed to hearing a song, clicking the profile, seeing a silhouette image and no information and going, hmm, I don't think this artist would really know if I followed them. And I don't don't really think they're going to be putting anything on here. It looks like they've never even touched this platform. I mean, honestly, I've come across um, someone recently and I'm, I love her music, but to be honest, I wouldn't have known 
who she was um, unless like I connected with her on a social media platform. Because when I went to her Spotify, she had like one song that she was featured on. And I know by meeting her that she has a lot more music than what, and I couldn't believe it. And that was my exact reaction by experience. Exactly. You know, and um, I mean, it takes all of a few seconds to add those links Mm -hmm. and it makes such a difference because as a music lover, when I find an artist that I like, I want to know more about them and Yeah. yeah, their music's great. I can listen to that, but I also want to see, well, where are they in the world? What's the story behind this music? What inspires them? Are they working on any new music? I'd love to feel like I'm you know, part of the process watching that. And I've seen artists use this to their advantage and they've, they've had links to their YouTube or their Twitch or Twitter or wherever they spend their time, which that's where they actually keep their fans and keep them engaged. And they can communicate all of the things that you can't communicate on the streaming platforms at this time. So yeah, it's it's extremely important because there are people out there like me and I'm, I'm sure like both of you as well that will go and click that follow button because you like their music and you want to know more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned a little bit about the profile itself, like the picture, the bio, but is there any other ways that artists should enhance their profiles? Yeah, definitely. So it's different on each streaming platform, but let's talk about Spotify. Uh, Just recently, Spotify announced that they now have an integration with Shopify. So Spotify and Shopify are working together. And for anyone that's not familiar with Shopify, you can create your own online store. You can sell products. You can sell mugs, T-shirts, caps, Mm -hmm. whatever you choose. And it Once you connect the two now, which you do in Spotify for artists, all of those items will show on your artist page. So all of a sudden, you know, there's all these people that are worried about how much you get paid per stream. And that's a whole different conversation. But you imagine if somebody listens to your song once, but then goes to your profile and goes, wow, I love that design on that T-shirt, $25, maybe more, and they buy it. You know, it's just this extra source of revenue. and To add to that, Amazon have something similar as well where artists can sign up at merch.amazon.com, which is the same whether you're an artist or just a creator or just someone who has really good designs. Once you do that, you can then connect it within Amazon Music for Artists and there is a band or artist merch store on amazon.com. It will display in there, but it will also display on your artist profile in Amazon Music and you can showcase it in your Twitch streams as well. So, you know, there's a number of things like that that you can do, which is it is enhancing the profile. It may not look like it, but even if people aren't buying that record, you know, or the cassette tape, I know some people are doing now, or that T-shirt, it still looks cool. It's like, okay, there's a lot of stuff here on this page. I'm going to keep checking back. And the other side of it is uh, there's concert integrations as well. So bouncing back to Spotify, you can connect Songkick to Spotify for Artists and they will show all of your upcoming live streams or in-person concerts and events and gigs. And that's really helpful because it shows within the Spotify app on people's devices. So anytime you're wondering, hey, I wonder if there's any shows coming up from artists that I'm following in my city. You can open that up and there's a tab there and it will show you the artists where they're performing, a link to buy tickets, and you can tap a button and start listening to their music. So it's another way to drive them back to your profile. And the other side of that is that Spotify send out emails from time to time with different different announcements. In this case, they also send out emails saying upcoming shows in your city. And once again, they'll include an image of the artist, another reason why it's important to upload those images so they have permission, and they'll include links to get tickets and links to stream your music. I think Spotify is one of the best at that, like just pushing, I mean, more ways to monetize music and the artists. I think they have, I think they have that down to a T because I recently just purchased Red Hot Chili Pepper tickets because Spotify emailed me saying that there's a pre-sale. 
And Sydney, that's the exact example I was going to use too, because I mean, I love just having everything in one um, platform to not have to click around Then it sends me somewhere else. And then I basically am losing interest as I'm clicking around. So that's like so important for the, the fan because it makes it so much easier as well. The one thing that I would say though, that I think um, the streaming platforms are lacking a little bit and maybe I don't, mm. I don't know all the features. So let me, cat, let me start with saying that, you know, it all stems from listening and discovering music, but I feel like they're still lacking in the sense that I can't get that direct connection with artists and it, I can't essentially like engage with them through it. I mean, it's not a social media platform. It's not, you know, live streaming or something like that. But I think that's like just the one thing that I feel like maybe they have in the back of their heads, but haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, definitely. And the direction that I'm seeing some platforms go is that they're trying to find ways that at least the artists can communicate to their audience, even if they don't know their their cell number or where exactly in the world they're located or their name or anything like that for obvious privacy reasons. But at the very least, an opportunity for that artist to be able to perhaps send a voice message to that follower's smart speaker the next time they're engaging with that smart speaker and the artist can be saying something in their own voice to them and telling them something. Uh, outside of that, I have seen some platforms leaning towards the opportunity for artists to at least send a message that would go out in an email blast. Obviously that would be hosted by the platform, but I do think that we are going to go in that direction. And I have one example that's a really good example of how it could work for the others is Boomplay, which is uh, based in Africa. And they actually have a full social platform within the music streaming platform similar to a lot of platforms in China where they're actually a social media platform first and foremost with music integrated. So with Boomplay, they actually have it so that you have your username, you log in, you listen to music. While you're listening, you can comment on any playlist, song, artist page, um, album page as well. And not only that, but the artist can log in and see all the comments and they can respond back to that fan directly. So you, while you only have their username, you can at least say whatever you would like back to that fan and give them that message. And I've seen artists use this really effectively because fans are starting to have Q&As in there yeah. <laughs> uh, about the album yeah. and the artist is responding and saying, yes, and by the way, there's these tracks that didn't make it. We're going to be dropping one in a few weeks from now and we're going to be doing a live stream where we break down that track. And that's the closest I've seen so far to being able to basically reach through the screen and have a direct conversation with that fan. That's awesome. First off, artists and their teams can get a lot of insight on who's actually listening. And also just like, I guess, market research to see how people react and um, towards the direction of the music or what have you. So I think that's like beneficial in the way that you can connect to your fans, but also get a little bit more insight on it too. Yeah, definitely. When you first started putting your music with Date Night on streaming platforms up until this point, what have you been seeing has like been evolving? Have there been any new challenges in the landscape? (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely been challenges. You know, what happens is when something opens up to everyone, such as when Spotify opened up the editorial pitching forms. It's really bizarre because when it first happened, everyone went, that's great, that's great, you know, it's open for everyone. And then all of a sudden, fast forward maybe six months and everyone's starting to say things, you know, I won't repeat it in the words that they were saying, but it was, oh, no, Spotify aren't adding my music. It's like they're not even paying attention, you know, and they're now basically saying that this pitch form is not doing what they thought it was going to do. And, you know, I mean, I spoke to a bunch of people that I knew that were releasing music in different genres at that time. And when those pitch forms first launched, you know, maybe one in four people that I spoke with were saying, hey, we ended up on an editorial playlist. We followed the rules. We submitted early enough with our release and we got on a playlist. It's been great. And then the other ones, it's um, I could find a reason why usually, whether it was, uh, did you actually have a listen to the final master of the track 
compared to similar tracks, you know, did you load them all into iTunes and run them from start to finish? Because it's actually a lot quieter on the vocals. So it may not be sitting right in playlists and that's why they didn't add it. And then the other ones, it could be, oh, well, I uploaded it to my distributor and set it to release in two days time. And I went in and quickly filled out the submission form. And I go, well, people need time to listen to it before it comes out to work out where it's going to go. So, you know, by opening those floodgates, it was, it was great because they, they wanted to even it out and say, okay, we're no longer just making it for record labels and distributors to submit music. We're making it open for everyone. Uh, But then some people didn't use that. Some people did. Some people had these really high expectations that just because they did that, they were going to get placed on a playlist. So that definitely proved to be a challenge. And then as new tools come, it's funny. Every time you announce something new, people go, that's great, but what about X or what about Y? And they're looking for something else as well. So, yeah, I I think that that's always going to be the way. As artists continue to get access to more and more of these features, they're realising that at the same time everyone else is. So they're starting to feel like they need to be one step ahead. Whereas, you know, I like to sort of just bring them back and just say, look, don't worry about being one step ahead. There's plenty of people that will tell you what's next and how to prepare for it and how to be ready. Just make sure you've got everything that's already out there covered. Although they have access now, they just automatically assume that they'll get what they applied for. There's just so much music and so many artists now that have that access. So it's just best to just make sure all their ducks in a row and just make sure that they're checking all the boxes. And if they stay consistent, that they'll eventually get there. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the other side of it is the world of playlists has become very, very, very saturated. It's definitely a buzzword. Uh, I'll be honest, the reason I use that in my second book title is because, number one, yes, people already knew the name, but number two, a lot of people are still looking for playlists. That's their end goal. And, you know, I just want to say this on the record, that a playlist is not and should not be your marketing plan. Yes, the goal is to get on playlists, but you can't bank on that. You can't guarantee that. And I see a lot of artists that become so focused on playlists and I'm going to send 150 emails a day to all of these people to try and get on playlists. And there's other things that they've missed that are probably more important, you know, such as the music sounding right to begin with and being, being the right mix and master. And, uh, you know, are they even submitting to Spotify for artists directly first? Because that's more important. Get that step done first before you start doing these other things. And you know, I, I guess we should probably also mention the the somewhat shady side of this, which is that there are a lot of people out there that are trying to take advantage of artists. And, you know, I mean, we could spend all day calling out every single one of them, but the reality is the next day they're going to create a new email address, a new PayPal account or whatever they use, and they're going to continue this. So I always just talk to the artist directly and try to protect them from, ever paying anyone for a guaranteed playlist placement. If someone says that they have a friend in the editorial team and they can send them tracks, you can be sure that friendship isn't going to last that long if that was true. So I'm, I call BS on that. And the other side of that is the people that say, oh, we'll guarantee you this amount of streams. It's safe to say that the only way they're guaranteeing that is if they actually own the playlist that they're going to put your music on. And it probably means that those <laughs> listeners aren't real people. Yeah. And yeah. To, to back this up, I've seen people that have actually, I've fortunately I've stopped artists in the process from doing this, but they've said, oh, this person uh, just wrote to me and said that I they'll add my song to their playlist for this amount of money. And I go, great, did you send them a link to listen? And they go, no, they, they just said, send me the link and I'll add it. Um, and I said, well, wait a minute. So they're going to just put your song into a playlist without even listening first. Yeah. And I've seen some ridiculous examples of some of these playlists that are clearly not listened to by humans. Uh, there was one <laughs> and it was named after a, a Disney movie and it was 
clearly not music from that Disney movie. We had tracks like Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac. <laughs> and, and then we had entire albums of country music just dropped in there and all of these weird genres. And I listened to it and I went, there's no way a human is enjoying this. I mean, I've got a pretty eclectic mix of music I like to listen to, but there's still some structure to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I showed that to the artist and I said, you do not want to be paying to get on this. No person is listening to this and enjoying this. They may enjoy the music separately, but not in the way that this is structured. So avoid. And the other side of that is it can lead to an artist getting their music removed from streaming platforms completely. Not only that, but they won't get paid for the streams that they got during that time because they weren't real listeners and they could lose their agreement with their distributor or their record label. And in some cases, they have to basically start again. They they have to create a new artist name and make new music wow. and they're back to complete zero. And what really pains me is that it's not artists going, oh, I know this is shady, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's artists going, oh, I'll do anything I can for my music. I'll mm-hmm. I'll drop $500 on this because they said that they can help and I know how good numbers look. But it's it's not the same as social media. If you buy a large amount of followers on Facebook, you don't get punished for that because you're not getting paid when people like or comment on your posts. You're not getting paid. Uh, but with streaming, you're getting paid every time someone is listening. So if they're not a real listener, it's it's eventually going to come back to you especially with the amount of data they have in the back end. They know, they're not silly. They know that there's 100,000 streams coming from a tiny location within a city somewhere. They're going to work it out very quickly. So just don't do it. I I think that's all very good points. And I want to break that down a a little bit further in regards to just playlist in general as a listener Sometimes we just have to separate ourselves from our craft and think, how do people use this? And that's a really good point because when I think of playlists, I listen to them depending on the environment that I'm in, aka am I having a party or am I working? And then also like, what's my mood? So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's very important as you were alluding to that if you're working with um, credible playlisters and curators, they want to know if it fits their existing music in there. Um, So they have to know what your music sounds like. Second, I think there's a big difference between paying to have a placement in a playlist and paying someone to maybe help reach out if you already have contacts. I'm not saying like the editorial team at Pandora, but I'm saying like maybe the third party ones that are just individuals like maybe myself that I create a playlist and it ended up popping off. Those are very different things. Like I think you can work with someone that maybe specializes in in it than it is just to pay individuals to for placements. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, with that side, with the third party side, yes, there are going to be some people who are doing the shady things. You know, if they guarantee something, that's usually a warning sign. But you know, the ones that are honest and they'll say I'm going to tell you exactly where I am sending this to and what types of playlists I'm aiming for, but there's no guarantees. You know, all the best I can sell you on is hope that you will your song will resonate with this person and they will choose to add it themselves. But I can assure you that I will send this song to these people because I love the song and that's why I'm taking it on. They're the ones that you would look at working with. The ones that just say, yeah, here's my price, just send me the track and I'll get started. There's no heart in that. Yeah. You know, I, for me, I, I haven't done it recently, but there was a point where I did this for a few artists and they would send me a track and I would, just, you know, sometimes I would just say, look, I've got to be honest, I don't personally like the track myself. It's just not my style. And if my heart isn't in it, it's going to show if I try and send this to other people. So for that reason, I'm going to give you some other suggestions on where you can go, but it's not going to be me. And most of the time they really appreciate that. Sometimes they say, I don't understand. Why don't you just take my money? And I go, because I would just be taking your money and sending an email to a friend and saying, Hey, here's a track. I don't really like it, but see if it works for you. It's not going to go well. You're not going to get any results. And I would feel terrible taking your money. 
So there are good people out there like that that are doing it for the right reasons, love music, love to help push it in the right direction. Usually they don't advertise that they do it. So it's word of mouth. So it's worth asking artists. And, you know, a lot of artists are really happy to tell you because they want that person to get more work so they can keep doing that and they don't have to change what they're doing. So if you see an artist and they've got a significant number of third-party playlist ads that look like really well-curated playlists, reach out to them and just say, hey, I'm just wondering, did you work with someone on this? Because you've got you've got a really good number of ads and um, we would love to see if there's someone we could work with as well. Because all of these are like huge red flags um, is to help to like minimize some of this is having like the artists kind of do the research around some of this. Absolutely. I mean, Reddit or any other blogs or, or things like that or Discord nowadays as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, before engaging in any service, I would say ask a few people that you know and trust that have worked with this person and just say, what was the experience like? Um, you know, what, you know, obviously there's no expectations that can be met and guaranteed, but, you know, what did you get out of this? Did you find some new followers? Did you get a, a number of streams? You know, obviously the goal is to find authentic followers and grow that following because they'll then follow you for future releases as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's worth asking around and checking. And if you don't know another artist to ask, I can guarantee you if you go on Reddit and go, hey, has anyone used this service or has anyone worked with this person before, you're going to get a lot of feedback very quickly. And, yes, some may be negative and it may be for reasons that, you know, you'll see in there and some may be positive, but take just read that and, and start to make your own decision. It's like a product review on Amazon. You read, yeah. you know, there's going to be haters. There's going to be one stars because it arrived one day late or it wasn't the, <laughs> what it looked like in the picture that they had in their head. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, definitely ask. Is there any other ways to know how playlists are doing? To be completely transparent, I am the director of artist label and DSP relations at Chartmetrics. So I'm not trying to turn this into a shameless plug, but um, with Chartmetric, and I should, out of fairness, there are other products that do offer this as well. But what you can do is you can go deeper into playlists that maybe you have your eye on so that you can take a look and go, okay, uh, this playlist gets updated every other week. They tend to favor these specific genres. They don't favor a particular record label. There's a nice spread of songs added to this playlist by any record label or no record label. Um, you know, and then you can look at all the songs that are in there and how long have they been in this playlist. It's not going to show you how many streams they've gotten from that playlist or how many listeners they've gotten from that playlist, but it gives you an idea, okay, someone is actively working on this playlist, keeping it updated, keeping it current. I like all of the other artists that are in here. It would be a great fit for my music. And, you know, yes, you will still see things like follow accounts. So if you see a playlist that gains 50,000 followers in, in a 24-hour period, it's safe to say that they've either got an incredible ad campaign and a large budget or something else might be going on yeah. there. Um, but beyond that, in Spotify for artists, Apple Music for artists, et cetera, pretty much all of the four artists, you'll be able to log in and see how many streams you're getting from a specific playlist. And not only that, but you'll be able to see how many unique listeners you're getting. So, for example, you have 25,000 listeners that you've got in the last 28 days from this playlist and you've got 100,000 streams. That means that those people are listening to you on that playlist at least four times each on average. So you can actually use that and realize, okay, well, that's because I have four different songs in that playlist. So they're actually listening all the way through it to reach my songs. So this must be a playlist that people actually listen to and leave on and enjoy listening to. 
I love that you just mentioned all the data. If you're not as familiar, you're just starting out, we don't essentially know what to do with it. Um, I like that you mentioned like you can kind of see like how well you're doing on playlists. So hopefully you can stay on it as long as possible. But sometimes, I mean, that's out of their hands because it's the, up to the curator. So in those instances, like what else can they do with this data to keep growing their following and their streams? There's a number of different ways that you could tell people that that playlist is a good look for your music. Um, you know, this sounds crazy, but I've seen artists that have sent screenshots of a playlist and said, I want to be on this playlist. And in the screenshot, they're not even following it. I go, well, you don't even like it yourself. What, 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 what do you mean? You want to be on it, but you're only going to follow it if, you, if you're on it? It's like saying, I'm only going to come to your gig if I'm on the VIP list. You know, it's um, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So click that follow button, take a screenshot, um, listen to the playlist. Most importantly, you know, if you happen to be listening to that playlist in the screenshot, that's great. Um, and then, you know, start telling people about it like it's it's an artist that you like. You know, post it on socials because when you do that, that link is monitored and the streaming platforms will see who's sharing this link. And so that could be another way that you could get their attention by simply saying, hey, everyone, check out this awesome new playlist on Apple Music. Uh, I think it's really cool. I actually found a new track I like on there. And you that's a way they're not going to get mad that you did that and you're not asking for anything this time. You're just trying to get their attention. That's definitely one way. I've actually seen some artists make a playlist that they would like to be on as their artist pick in Spotify. And of course, that data is seen not in the back end in, um, for an artist, but you can be sure that that is seen by people at Spotify and they know that and they see that. And I've seen artists do that as basically this playlist is where they would like to be one day. So they make it their artist pick and they tell people about the playlist. Wow. I think that's so important because it's also putting the artists like they need to think about what they want from fans or and then kind of recreate that as well. It all comes down to building that relationship. Let's say maybe you just found out about it because of, you know, the analytics or because even if you're not on it, it just shows that you care in some way and it seems more organic and authentic if or, or when eventually you do get on it. You know, the other part of this is that it, it sounds it sounds strange that you need to remind artists of this, but when artists get added to a playlist, in this case, maybe a third-party playlist, tell people about it, say thank you. Even if you don't know the curator directly, you can still post that link publicly on social media and just say thank you because there's a good chance they're going to see that. I mean, they're probably following you, even if you're not following them. And that does get noticed as well. Um, The other side of that is I just want to point out that I've seen so many artists that will do a social media post when they have a new release and they'll tag every streaming platform in that post and just say, yeah, it's available in all of these. Uh, instead, what I've seen, and I've seen this done really well, I've actually seen this done with established artists, but this could work for any artist at any level. Let's say it's on Twitter where you can schedule tweets. Um, they'll actually have it so that they'll do a, a, a um, Twitter thread where you can add multiple comments in. And so you've got it. The first one will be, hey, my new album or my new single is out today. You can, you can stream it anywhere. And then under that, they'll have individual tweets for each of the streaming platforms and they'll word them differently so that as people see them appearing in their, in their feed, it's still interesting and it doesn't look spammy. So it'd be, you know, Apple Music, they'll say something fun about how do you like them apples? My, my new album's out. And then Spotify, you know, and they'll say something else and they'll have all of these individual messages that are fun and they work as separate tweets, but anytime someone sees one of them and engages with it, it bumps the entire thread with all of the links back up in the feed so people see it. And, um, you know, I've seen that done and it works so well. And it's it's the same with other posts as well. You know, if you're posting on Instagram or anywhere like that, just do a separate post for each one. And sure, you don't need to do a separate image for each one in the feed, uh, but let's say it's in stories. You could 
post a separate story with a link in the story for each of the platforms. And then you can highlight that at the top of your Instagram profile. So you could say new single and then people will tap that and they can go through and they can tap on the link for the streaming platform they're looking for as well. Okay. I could use this advice even for this podcast <laughs> like, because I mean, if you think about it, I mean, these platforms, you have to post a couple of times because as we know with algorithms, like even your followers who are heavily engaged may not see a certain post. And on mm. the flip side, not everyone listens to music in the same platform. So once they see the one that they actually use, it's like, Ooh, light bulb. Okay. I'll check it out if it goes directly to that single. I, I have the app open anyways. Yeah. I'm going to start doing that for real, like on my <laughs> stories and, and Twitter threads. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. And it's not only that, but these platforms, I've seen them um, retweet or repost or engage with that artist, sometimes even follow the artist mm. as a result. Uh, I know that Amazon and Pandora are really... Um, really heavily engaged on social media to the point where it, it's likely if you tag at Amazon Music or use one of their hashtags that they, at the very least, may follow you back or like or respond, and you can be sure that's going to get some extra eyes on it as well. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely worth doing that way because if you tag them all in one post, they're going to look at that and go, well, we can't really reshare this. You, you know, we, yeah. we're trying to direct people to our platform to listen to your music. Again, with the two-way street too. So I just wanted to go back to talking about the platforms. So amongst all of the platform, the streaming platforms, um, is there a certain feature that's, you know, or a couple of features that artists can start out when they're creating profiles on each one of these platforms that's common amongst all of them that, that just might be an, an easy feature that they can just like wrap their hands around? Yeah. One of the first things that I tell an artist to do on these platforms is to mm -hmm. create a playlist and more importantly, create a playlist with their own music on there. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is, you know, the first thing you do when you hear a song you like by an artist, you click to their profile and see what else there is. If there's a playlist at, up the top that they've curated themselves, you know, it could be their catalog, their discography or their own best hits. Mm -hmm. I'll go to that and I'll, you know, I usually look for an album first. I love albums. But if they don't have an album, I'll see a playlist up the top and I'll go to that and I'll click play and I'll just start listening through their catalog. What's good about that is the artist controls that order. They control what's in there. Anyone that follows that and plays it, you're not just listening to one song from that artist. You're listening to their entire back catalog, which could be 20 songs or more. Mm -hmm. And you're controlling the order, so you're putting your strongest song at the top. And any songs that maybe you don't want people to listen to as much, you can you can leave them out or put them further down. I've seen artists use this because then what they do is they'll say, I've got a new track coming out this Friday, follow my playlist to hear it first. And, you know, that's a great way to, you know, really own that connection between your fans and say, I have people that are following a playlist of my music and I can drop my tracks in there. And even if there's no other playlists that I'm getting at this time, I know that, that I can direct them to this playlist. And it doesn't take that long. I mean, once it's mm -hmm. done, every time you release a new track, sure, go and just drag it in and that's it. You're, you're done. And if you release four songs a year, it's really not that time consuming. If you release more, then, you know, you may have someone who helps you out that does that. But it's so important because you're basically saying here's my absolute best in the order that I want you to hear it and follow this and you know it's another way to bring them back it's similarly like creating one playlist to push on all of the platforms in the same order if they want so it shouldn't take that much time so as like new features are rolling out um to like any of these uh platforms how do you recommend like artists keep up with understanding what new features are rolling out? Definitely. Uh, so a lot of the four artists uh, products out there, like Amazon for artists, Spotify for artists, and Gami for artists, uh, Deezer for creators, they have their own social media profiles. And what's really cool is that they only post when there's a new feature mm. and when it's live. So it'll be, we just launched a new feature today. 
here's a you know here's a carousel here's a few images that will show you exactly what you need to do and that's it and it just shows in your feed i mean you can as you know with social media you can turn on notifications so i do um and that way if amazon announces a new feature for artists i'll get a notification on my phone i'll go straight to that post see what it is now obviously i don't expect everyone listening to uh, want to do that or to clog up their social media feeds with that. And there are a number of people out there. Yes, I'm one of them, but there's a number of people that are posting all of this and summarizing it and basically saying, here's what happened and here's what you can do with it and here's why it's cool for artists. So, yeah, one way is following all of the for artists products on social media. You can even follow Spotify for artists are really active on LinkedIn with posting features. I go one step further because I want to know what's coming before it's announced. Exactly. Um, and you know when I can talk about it, basically. So I follow publicly, uh, follow, I should say, engineers at a lot of these streaming platforms. So when they make a public post announcing a feature that they've just rolled out, I'll see that. And I'll see a really detailed, geeky explanation of what it is mm-hmm. and what it can do. And then I can get ready for it and basically have a blog post drafted. And then as soon as that feature is launched, I'll take a quick look, take some screenshots, and then I'll post that up. And, yeah, that that's that's me, though. I just I, I want to know what's coming so that I'm ready for it, so that I can try and explain it to everyone as soon as it goes live. Exactly. And that's so useful too, or at least like breaking it down or easier to digest when there's so many things, other things going on. I guess that's why it makes you an expert in in the streaming world. To wrap it up, um, this one's our favorite question that we ask every episode. What do you want to be known for? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a, it's, it's such a strange one because it's changed over the years. Um, it's definitely changed over the years. There's no doubt about it. Um, but as for right now, I think I would just love to know that I helped artists and I made a difference whether or, you know, I'm not looking for any public thanks or anything like that, but just to be able to look and watch from a distance and see an artist get to that next level and reach their goals and know that I helped, there's nothing more satisfying than that. I mean, I gathered that. Oh, so the the last question that we have is how can the listeners reach you? Oh, anywhere they like. Um, The platform I am most active on is LinkedIn. And people can find me at linkedin.com slash in slash ask Mike Warner, A-S-K Mike Warner. And that the reason I'm most active on LinkedIn is that I learn a lot on there from people. But I'm starting to see a lot of artists coming on there now as well, which is really nice. And I know that they're rolling out more features for creators. So as you may have seen, there's a lot of live streams happening now where it's no longer just how to be the best salesperson or how to scale your marketing team. It's, hey, artists, I'm talking to you directly. Here's how to do this and how to do that. And what's mind-blowing to me is that when I'm sitting in these and I'm looking at people in the comments, it's actually people that work on the artist teams at these streaming platforms that are also watching. So for an artist, you want to talk about a potential networking opportunity, that's gold. You know, you don't have to get on a plane and travel to a conference or anything like that. So LinkedIn's my favorite platform too. And I'm happy that you brought that up because it solidifies our episode from it last week, we literally just talked about um, LinkedIn because when I was pivoting into music, I went to LinkedIn and I could not find a one dan- like one person at all. Um, <laughs> it was so rare. But now with the pandemic, a lot of people obviously figured out, oh, I have to be on it. I've always recommended it for creatives in a, in a different um, aspect. Like don't don't think that you're going to be promoting your music there. It's mainly to build relationships. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I love about LinkedIn is 
you truly feel equal on there with everyone else. You know, someone could have a really fancy title, lots of followers, lots of connections, but it does not matter if you comment on their post and you add something that's really insightful or you make a good point, people will engage with that. And I've seen people on there that have done that. And Mm -hmm. the amount of engagement that you get is just mind blowing to me. So, and yeah, you know, don't be shy. I mean, it's great to go on there and say, good job or give someone a, you know, an emoji and things like that, but just adding just a little bit more, you know, why was it a good job or is there something that you learned from it? Or is there something you'd like to add that maybe they didn't mention in the post that would help other people reading? It's, it's a really nice community on there. And I, I think it's just going to keep growing at this time. I mean, I've seen jobs being advertised for LinkedIn for creators and there's a lot of people in LinkedIn that are musicians themselves and they do have learning tools for artists within LinkedIn learning. So I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger. I agree with you, Mike, and I'm happy that you mentioned that. Thanks so much for being on our final episode of season three. We really appreciate you being here with us and discussing streaming and just learning more about yourself. Awesome. I appreciate both of you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Setup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review the Setup on Apple Podcasts. And I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you have any topic recommendations or questions, please visit us at www.thesetupseries.com.